Hey, this is Zach. And Quig of Block of Horror, the spooky platform that prioritizes community-driven content creation. We're on the Edge of NFT, the podcast that's always bringing you horrifically awesome content in Web3. Keep listening. Hey there, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode and find out how Block of Horror is going to take the choose-your-own-adventure idea to the next level. Why Strange Loop Studios has become one of the leading creative pioneers of the new digital media realm. And catch a shout out to one of our most beloved community members. All this and more on today's episode. Enjoy. Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's sponsored episode features Zach, aka Blockimus, and Quit of Block of Horror, the platform that is disrupting how content creation works. Blockimus inspired the Block of Horror mission to re-envision film and storytelling from a decentralized, community-based perspective. Blockimus got his start in Web3 in April 2021, where he went headfirst into the open sea of NFTs, learning the market and building a platform with Web3 ethos. Through experiencing all of the NFT space and what it has to offer, Blockimus up play on Gladiator's Maximus has become what he considers a Web3 lifer and hopes to be an ambassador of what this new technology can do to decentralize Web2's most gated opportunities. How about Quit? Quit has been a crypto degen since 2013. He is a BAYC owner and renowned educator in the NFT space, sharing deep insights, usually in the form of Twitter threads, to help protect the community from bad contracts, nefarious actors, and outright scams. He also heads up development at Block of Horror, including the upcoming Mint and Voting Portal. He is an invaluable piece of their team and a trusted voice for the entire NFT community. Block of Horror is the beginning, a launch point to build a decentralized platform that offers up the most access and best experiences for artists and fans. No longer just footing the bill for a ticket at a theater, members of Block of Horror can join the story-making process from inception through the distribution, gaining access to come aboard as co-producers and collaborators who are always celebrated and revered. Their members are key parts of the magic it takes to tell amazing stories, and they will always work with that as their guiding light. Hey guys, welcome to Edge of NFT. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Yo, solid commercial, E. That was good stuff at the beginning, man. Let's just cut that. I think Blog of Horror will be hiring me for voiceover acting <laughs> very soon. Guys, that's why we have E do all of our advertisements on the show. One of his many superpowers. And guys, like you, this is sort of apropos. You named the project Block of Horror. That's kind of how we all feel right now about this market, right? It is one <laughs> giant block of horror. But, Bloodbath. Um, <laughs> Totally, totally. This would have been a great time to uh, release the project. If you foreshadowed this, I don't know if that was part of the mix. Yeah, honestly, we were geared towards a Friday, May 13th mint date. So it actually would have been timed brilliantly, perfectly. But 
I'm not sure that too many people would have been gung-ho to actually purchase at that time, considering everyone was sky is falling, looking to kind of protect their downside risk, unfortunately. But there's an emotional element to this industry, and it's quite possible that just the name of it would be, well, I've already lost 99% of my money on Luna. Why not throw the remaining 1% into this cool project? You never know, right? Hey, if you believe that, then I trust your judgment. But I think to our benefit, we actually pushed it to give us a little more time to just kind of button up everything. It definitely could have been a good marketing position to be in. Yeah, no, don't take my advice. You guys clearly have thought this through. It's really cool that what you guys are trying to do here, right? Transform Hollywood content machines and how they operate without sacrificing artistic integrity and coming up with really high quality experiences and stories, which we know is the heart of Web3 and really our society and culture. And it's a really massive vision. Can you tell us more about how this project came to be? Yeah. So the best way to frame this is around where it all began. So April 2021, I basically wrote a treatment for a feature around NFTs in a horror kind of context, right? So it's like a horror slasher thriller. And I wrote a 10-page treatment, was going to get into production for a short of that feature. And as we geared up to get into production, it kind of hit me. I was like, oh, wait a second. Do I actually even know enough about NFTs and about crypto at this point in time to tell an informed uh, story that really hits it on the head? So basically, I pulled back off doing that piece of material and decided, you know what? Instead of the production budget for that short, I'm just going to funnel that money right into NFTs directly and learn by diving headfirst. And so from that point on, we basically came up with Block of Horror, which originally started as a PFP project because the market was super up in arms about the next PFP thing. This was even before BAYC was on the map. And as we were developing this kind of like PFP world around horror, monsters and all kinds of cool things, I was like, well, wait a second. Is that actually what I'm here to do, right? Is that actually what Web3 is meant to be is like, okay, a cool JPEG that we can wrap on social media. It is cool. I rep my mutant regularly. But to me, NFTs really spoke to the use case around what's possible utilizing the smart contract in general. And so we pivoted off of this PFP strategy and started to ask ourselves the harder questions. Why are we really here? What do we really want to accomplish? And hailing from, I spent the last eight or so years in Los Angeles working in Hollywood. My co-founder, Mike, same thing. He's an editor for AMC. And my wife worked recently on Avatar 2 and 3 and Justice League. So seeing the issues that actually plague the kind of like centralized choke points within media and Hollywood, we really kind of started to formulate a plan around, let's bring artists and fans to the creative table from inception through to distribution. Let's have them be integral to the part they can play and making a communal effort towards creating exceptional experiences, cinema, and everything that's possible in the metaverse, especially from a technological perspective. You have VR, augmented reality is going to be coming out. And so we just wanted to position ourselves to build something that really could sustain the long haul of what I think this technology is doing, which is transforming every industry in time that there is. And so we started with obviously what we know, which is cinema and storytelling and filmmaking. And so that's kind of like where it all began. And we've just been building ever since to get to launch point, which is coming here soon. 
Yeah, that's really cool. And I just want to pull out a theme in what you said. We just had Eric Calderon on the show on the air right before this show. And he delayed art blocks for three months because he was too busy playing around with NBA top shots, right? And I think there's something to be said for not forcing projects out the door too quickly and letting the creative juices marinate and mature. We delayed one of our drops for the same reason. And it's a constant conversation we have internally with all the different opportunities in this space is let things marinate and really make sure of where you want to focus your energy. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And just to add to that, it's why we found Quit and had such good synergies is he's very similar in that to me, there's people in this space that have to kind of take up this ambassador role, whether they like it or not. I never intended that to happen. But with all the cash grabs and just the outright scams and just people getting completely wrecked and screwed over by bad actors, I wasn't about to participate in that narrative, not saying anyone who launches quickly is doing that. But like we're building a company, like we're building something that in a Web2 sense, is supposed to be, if you raise money, that money goes to the community's growth and inevitable rise and brand. It doesn't go to the founder's wallet. And so we've just been working to really position ourselves to build properly, build organically, and build well. Because if we want to be here for 10, 20, 50 years, I feel like that's what you have to do. Now, if we just wanted to profit and check out and potentially go to prison, maybe we would do something more nefarious, which obviously we decided not to do. So there you go. Let's keep you around for a while. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about some of the concepting you came up with. You've got this Genesis NFT, which has 13 movie posters, which are based on original story concepts you designed, and you're minting those potentially here in early July. Can you tell us a little bit more about this, the kind of utility involved, and if a listener wants to participate, how they might keep their eyes on that? Yeah, for sure. And we're actually aiming to mint in June. Now, kind of like anyone who knows, this is mid-May as far as the recording. The markets may dictate the date that we mint. You don't want to mint into something that the market's completely on tilt and and off kilter. So the plan right now is about mid-June. But if we need to push just to make sure the market dynamics are conducive to minting, then we'll do so. So basically, the 13 movie posters are original story concepts that we came up with. And we basically built them into movie posters, which for anyone that's familiar, your movie poster historically is your first major piece of advertisement around, should I go see that thing? Should I go experience that Saw movie or this Halloween franchise? Like whatever it is. And so basically, we built these original stories, some of which have been IP that we've been developing for years personally. I have a few that I've been working on that I basically donated to the 13 original story concepts. So between me, my co-founders, and our poster artist and creative producer, we basically formulated these stories that when you get a chance to mint them, whether it's in June or early July, you basically, you're going to get one of these stories as a token, one of these movie posters. And that's your forever membership pass to the block of horror. And there's a lot of additional utility outside of that. But basically, you're part of the club, right? Like you're part of literally the block of horror. And you're going to have a say in first up, which one of these 13 stories are we going to make into our first feature length movie? So literally from the start, you meant you decide, right? So right from the start, we want to demonstrate that the community, the members, you are collaborators. You are a part of the creative process. And so we don't know. We have different subgenres of content and stories, some of which is more geared towards left field, some towards right field. 
And it's going to be open-ended, like whatever y'all decide, that's what we're going to make first. And the good thing is the other 12 pieces that are not selected as the feature length film, we're going to basically structure into different separate projects that will be, let's say a screenplay or a TV pilot or geared towards a board game or different types of experiences in the metaverse. So we're basically going to attack all 13 and what I call season one of Block of Horror. And that's just, we're going to tackle all of them throughout the season. And there'll be various use cases for each one and different types of content. Yeah. I love movie posters as a method of all this. I mean, of course they fit perfectly into NFTs, but there's these kernels of things that are very nice and tight, right? The log line, right? I've learned is another thing in the movie industry. You tell the story in a sentence, right? But that sentence tells you like whether that might be a good story. It's kind of like the snowflake method of writing a novel where you start with an outline and then you flesh out a little bit more and you flesh out a little bit more. So I love that. And it sounds like you've got a lot fleshed out potentially depending on the project as well. So you can hit the ground running when people vote for it. And that's the beautiful part is, is it's really like a prompt. It's a concept. And so though we have backstories and rich material behind it, we're not going to present all of that up front because we want the imagination of the community, of the fans, of the members to inform us, to tell us what they're inspired by, what they feel and what resonates with them. And then we can find those synergies with the lead artists that we bring on for each project and work in tandem to create the best IP possible. Well, I think we actually have a demo that you guys put together to kind of inform our listeners more about that project. So I think now might be a good time. We'll pause in the conversation. We'll take a look at that, let that marinate in the listener's mind to bring back a word from earlier. (laughs) And then we'll come back and talk about it once it's over. So let's get to that. Block of Horror was started in April of 2021 with the mission to challenge what we call the Hollywood machine. Head on, we're tackling the choke points of backdoor centralization, the hoarding of IP, inequitable distribution of profits, and dull formulaic storytelling. Block of Horror is founded on the principle of decentralized, community-driven content and prioritizing artist and fan empowerment. So how do we do this? We envision a world where avid fans have a say in the direction of creative content where they can benefit from the success of the final product. By way of our very own unique voting portal, we are bringing members to the decision-making table. This type of platform prioritizes the independent artist and avid fans' desires first by giving them direct access to the creative and producing process in our dedicated community channels. The team at Block of Horror has written 13 original story concepts that have been designed into professional and awe-inspiring movie posters to represent our Genesis NFT collection. Immediately after Mint, Token holders control which story will go into production first as a feature-length movie via our voting portal. As we get into development and pre-production for the feature film, community members will participate in helping decide the characters' fates. Who lives? Who dies? How? When? Led by professional artists, filmmakers, and industry professionals, the community will become integral to the experience that inevitably ends up on the screen. The remaining 12 story posters will not be forgotten, as they will each have dedicated focuses and resources for various forms of horror-themed experiences and content. Some media candidates include metaverse experiences, TV series pitch packages, 360 and VR experiences, graphic novels, and even board games. We see this as a continual collaboration, not a producer-consumer gatekeeping wall. 
Every voice should be respected and heard. In our Discord, we'll have dedicated channels for each piece of IP, so that token holders of those stories can be a part of that story's inception, development, and lore. And that's just the start. We have a Metaverse Theater already live in VR chat where you can watch Block of Horror original and curated content with friends. We also hold Metaverse real estate across all of the premier Metaverses with preparations to build unique experiences on all of them. Utilizing Web3 to its fullest, Block of Horror is about trailblazing, pushing boundaries, and building towards a more advantageous and rich experience for members moving them away from being just a ticket holder to an integral part of our collective creativity, development, production, and ultimate communal success. Welcome to the Block of Horror. Okay, so really thanks a lot for sharing this with us, guys. And I guess for the listener, you heard probably the kind of creepy music. You heard a very well thought out description of what's going on, but just to give you a little bit more of the visuals. And you can, of course, check this out on YouTube after you hear it, but some really cool, I don't know if you call it like cinematography or graphics or whatever, like almost scenes from movies or particular scenarios, a Ouija board. I remember I caught some smoke moving by some really creepy movie theater themed stuff, like a movie theater with a popcorn maker that's kind of in the shadows and I might not want to eat that popcorn or the popcorn might turn me into a vampire or something. And like a lot of VR, AR themes going on in there. Very cool stuff. I encourage the listeners to go check that out. What did you guys think, Josh, Jeff? Yeah, amazing stuff. Well, it's clear you guys have that experience in the industry that you come from. It comes through there. But also just an amazing summary, right, of everything that is block of horror and what it can be. Just the entire concept of kind of choose your own adventure and all that that means. There's some nostalgia there. And there's also just this entire new platform. It's never existed in human history before. The entire Web3 platform and what that can mean built on the foundation of NFTs, which is what we're here always talking about every single day. This is where it's at. Like seeing the actual implementation of this stuff come to life. This is amazing. It's one of the best use cases for NFTs, for what's happening in Web3. The video is just a great demonstration of that. Yeah, totally agree. And going back to the current block of horrors, absolutely would take the crumbs of my Luna and put it in the in this opportunity and, and then probably double or triple down on it, depending on where those crumbs are, given where Luna's going. But Not investment advice. <laughs> yeah, not investment advice, but it's on my mind, guys. What can I say? Well, you can actually say for entertainment purposes. <laughs> Thank you, Ethan. So tell us more, guys, about how you intend to work with the community to build the first season of Block of Horror. You mentioned sort of the movie posters to start with. What happens after that? If I'm in your community, what can I expect? Yeah, so basically, we'll have uh, different Discord channels for each piece of IP. And so if you're a token holder of, let's say, the zombie concept, right, you're going to be able to hop in that Discord channel with the other 500, let's say, participants or token holders of that poster and work with our lead artists as we bring them in to go, hey, what do we want to make here? Or, hey, we're going to do, let's say, a TV show around this, right? Obviously, we're not going to do Walking Dead, but let's say that was the place we wanted to go. We could all work together, pitch ideas, share information. And basically work towards creating a piece of content that we all want to create. And obviously, we would build it outside of that. But yeah, it's, it's basically 13 separate opportunities. So 
kind of the reason why we wanted to do this too, is we want everyone to kind of gravitate towards the stories that they like the most, right? So when you mint, you're not going to know what you get. It'll be revealed after that first vote of the feature film happens. But then from there, let's say you trade out to something you want. And you can have being a part of all of them if you buy all the 13 separate movie poster tokens. But we really want people to really gravitate towards the stories that they want to be essentially a part of. That's so cool. And technically speaking, maybe this is a question for Quit. How do you pull something like this off? Are you duct taping together a bunch of Web3 technology? Is this something you had to build from scratch? Like, is Discord ready for this and already like has everything you need? Like, what happened when you're like, okay, this is what I want to do. And then you're like, and now how do I achieve this vision? Yeah, I'd say Discord is mostly ready for what we intend to use it for. In terms of the NFT itself, it'll mostly be standard 721, but we do have some plans for the voting portal that'll be custom built. So we're really excited for that process. That's super cool. And I think that's really great for our audience to know because this sounds like a daunting task, but the power of Web3 is that the tools are there for you. It's really the creativity is around the product itself. And so don't be too intimidated by taking on a big adventure with your community. So want to dive into kind of like the IP going on here. We touch upon this every once in a while on the podcast. It's a fascinating domain. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've come across here as it relates to taking the IP that's being built here and integrating it and the sort of intricacies that you've seen in dealing with IP in this kind of crazy new Web3 space? Yeah, yeah. So we have a great legal team that has a really strong understanding of IP commercialization, what CCO entails, and all of these possible, um, basically, IP licensing options. And so what we want to do, and that's also why we decided to break the content into 13 pieces, is we really want to structure our ability to attack all of these IP choke points individually as necessary. And so a great word has been thrown around by our legal team is this kind of like progressive decentralization. And so like the ultimate goal is, hey, let's say we make the next Saul franchise. We would love for that at some point to be relinquished, so to speak, to the community to commercialize with us, without us, right? To actually have a say on, let's say, the Star Wars saga and actually own a piece of Star Wars. Because let's be honest, who really owns Star Wars? We know Disney does. We know George Lucas kind of did, but it's the fans. It's the fans' IP at this point, and we all know it. Without them, it would be nothing. And so that is the ultimate goal, is to really position and push towards these IP Web 2 choke points to see how far we can pragmatically and realistically open kind of the Pandora gate of what's possible. And so to start from basically, we'll have two options right out the gate. The feature film will be non-commercial licensable. And that's so we can make sure to position to have partnerships and distribution. Basically, like we can get our feature film picked up by Netflix or HBO. But the other piece of content that we'll lead out with will be basically open-ended. It'll be, if you own a token of that concept, you'll be able to commercially license with us whatever you want. So if you want to do a short based on the material that we're building with you, you can do that. If that becomes a successful piece of IP, let's say a movie of some sort, you can go make a spinoff and we're not going to stop you. You're going to be a part of that piece of IP to be able to commercialize it however you'd like. And so basically with all 13, we got to obviously like one foot in front of the other mantra, 
but we're going to strategize to make sure that the community has opportunities to engage around IP commercialization of various story concepts. And we'll be working with them on those, but also some of them may have to be kind of more tight, closed off to start, just so we can make sure to find those partnerships to really scale the brand and make sure we're in position to really benefit the community ultimately. That's awesome. Yeah. And excuse me for going down like probably a train of thought that only my brain could go down. When I was doing my PhD and studying animal behavior, it was very interesting to like look at the different ways that various communities of organisms work together. And like ants was a very fascinating one, how they're able to sort of communicate and work together as like this high and everybody has their roles, but nobody is like taking the lead. And I feel in this Web3 space with people being able to jump forward and sort of take their role and play their part and making contributing like to the larger whole, there's a sort of like a fascinating analog into that type of biological system. And that means you need to make a movie where there's some sort of horde of ants taking over. That's all. And to give you guys real life context of where this worked and worked brilliantly is back in around 2005, when X-Men 3 came out before then the next set of X-Men's, basically there was a viral video before things really went viral to the degree they do today, that was a parody of an X-Men animated series. And one of the lines that was repeated as a joke in the parody, the filmmakers took that line and actually put it in the feature film and no one even asked. They did that because it was so popular and it was so viral and it was so engaging that when you went opening night, which I did at the time, I think I was in high school, when X-Men 3 came out, this huge $100 million blockbuster, halfway through the film, everyone's waiting if this character that pops up is going to say the thing that was in that parody video. And he did. He freaking did. And the whole audience loved it. Probably still to this day, the best part of the film, no offense. And it was just a moment of even on that kind of like small granular level, the community, the fans put that line in the film. And if you weren't a real fan, let's say like an avid fan, you wouldn't really know that that was for you. And it worked within the context of the story. So for someone who didn't know any better, it was just another line. But for the fans on opening night, they were heard. They were respected. And their input was actually then even put in this huge worldwide film. And that's just an example of, of, to me, what's possible and pragmatically so. Yeah, definitely. And we were talking about like IP stuff. I mean, there are some complex concepts to navigate here. These are a lot of the front end ones we're talking about. There's also stuff on the back end. And a lot of your relationship and collaboration with Quit uh, falls into this world. Smart contracts, what has to be written there, how precisely this has to be done to make sure that everything flows properly. The way that you guys are approaching transparency, like these are complicated subjects to deploy in an effective way. And we'd love to know more about that. I mean, how did this relationship come about? And tell us a little bit about those elements. Yeah, definitely. Well, Quick can speak to the security aspects. That's why we reached out to him. Honestly, I saw the beautiful thing about social media is kind of people are open books a lot of the times if you can navigate who's a good actor or not. And so I spotted Quit online via his posts about basically when they do coin drops and you get it in your wallet and you're like, is this safe? Can I claim this? Is the contract okay? And reading his threads, I was like, this guy gets it. Like he understands the ethos of not only Web3, but of about what I talked about at the top of this kind of like being an ambassador, like we're not getting paid to like give free information about how to be secure, but we do it because we need this space to be secure, to be more advantageous for people to actually come in and not get screwed. When I was here for the first month, 
I got rug pulled by OpenSea and lost at the time 60% of my bankroll. And it was devastating. And I left for a month and a half and missed Board Ape Yacht Club because of it. It's because no one's teaching anything in a sense that like from a scale perspective, it's not readily available. And so seeing Quit kind of be this ambassador around informed security around smart contracts, I basically just reached out to him on Twitter. I was like, hey, man, like this is what we're doing. We'd love to see if we could find some kind of partnership to bridge you into this. And to our benefit, he was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And that's where we are today. And I'll let Quit speak to the security aspects. Yeah. So I guess from my side of it, I was really excited when Zach reached out because I've been in the space a long time. And what appealed to me about crypto in general is that it's a disruptor and it set forth to disrupt the financial industry. And since then, I think ETH has taken a new turn and NFTs have taken a new turn and Zach setting out to disrupt Hollywood. That really appealed to what I'm all about. So I was excited to jump on board and join that team and sort of push that forward. But yeah, security in smart contracts, it's a very different world. Um, 721s, a lot of these minting contracts, they're very similar, but there's a lot of gotchas in there. So the nice thing about them is that they're all publicly available. So before you interact with anything, you have the option to read it over, make sure it's all good. And from the creator side of things, you have your one shot. Like once you launch it, you're launched. You can't go back and edit that code. If you make a mistake, if you've missed something in testing, then you're in a lot of trouble. (laughs) So a lot of my time this past couple of years has been reviewing code either before it's launched or afterwards. And it's an exciting time. The stakes are higher than ever. And I think that's what appeals to me and it makes it exciting. We're really excited to put something together that's rock solid and push that out to the public and hopefully make a difference long-term in the NFT space because we do have some ideas for some upgrades for some things that haven't been put into projects at the base layer yet. And if we can make that the norm, then the space will be better for it. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It's so important, especially in the sort of crazy times we've had and sort of the highs and lows we've seen with both NFT projects, DeFi projects, top 25 projects that have had major security flaws to the tune of $200 million being locked in a wallet. Nobody can get it, right? Crazy stuff. And I guess like to dive a little bit deeper here on how you tackle this rather sort of anxiety provoking topic for many people in the space. What are your go forward plans around security? And how do you communicate about it with the community recognizing the evolutionary and dynamic nature of innovation. Yeah, so I think the key to that is that you do have test networks available. So what you need to do is run through not just your best case scenarios for minting, but worst case scenarios. So you talked about that 200 million being locked in a contract, which is probably not 200 million anymore with how the price has been going, but it was a lot of money. It was just one error and it can't be recovered that money is locked in that contract forever. And the project, they can still get royalties and they'll raise money that way. But that's a huge blow from the very beginning. And that hurts creators. So I think when you're getting ready to launch a project, you need to go through all of the scenarios and say, okay, this is a happy path. These are all the things that we think are going to happen. And this is, we've got all of our bases covered there. But then this is the sad path. This is what happens if, say, somebody wants to exploit us or This is what happens if this goes wrong here. And you need to test for those too. And you need to account for as many different variables as possible. 
and hit those in testing, you can't just take a day or two and test your contracts out. It really needs to be a prolonged process with as many eyes on it as possible because you don't get a second shot once you launch. Yeah. And to add to that, guys, one of the partners will be bringing on, assuming everything's still kosher, is Halberd Security. They basically audited ApeCoin and they work with plenty of crypto. They're basically one of the top premier security firms. And I think what we're talking about is when a project got locked 32 million in a smart contract. And from what I read, they didn't have their contract audited. And so they didn't have, to what Quit's speaking about, is they didn't have that professional third-party overview of would their contract function as intended. And that's where we've worked to prioritize to make sure that forevermore, anything that we meant, we're going to do everything within our, our capability to make sure that those contracts are as optimized as possible and that they're being reviewed by professional security uh, services. It's really important. And we don't talk about it enough in this industry. It's important to understand that not all audits are created equal, just like there's a lot of lawyers in this world and you can get a whole spectrum of legal advice. And a security audit is not like black and white. And I think there's a misunderstanding in this industry when contracts been quote audited and it's not as high of a quality security firm or that it does have that stamp that everything's going to be perfect. It's not really the case. Or that they don't audit it at all, right? Yeah, they stick a random logo up there, right? Yeah, it's just tricky. It's a tricky thing. And I think yeah, bringing just good business practices from any business, period, whatever it is. If you're an architect, you're going to have a third party review your designs before you hand it off to the contractor. It's how you do good business. There's a lot of spots where folks are missing that experience on their team or their know-how important as a community to kind of elevate that awareness and share where you do have that background, you do have that know-how with other people to elevate the space because we all lose when things like that happen. Yeah. And it also boils down to the complexity of the contracts, right? So even the best auditors, Peck Shield, they'll miss things sometimes in like the big, big DeFi groups of contracts, like say Popsicle Finance was, forget when that was, maybe last August. And they were audited. It's just, there are lots of moving parts and there are many, lots of interacting pieces and there's a lot of money on the line. So when there's a billion dollars locked or hundreds of millions of dollars locked, you're going to have attackers and they're going to be constantly testing things. And somebody will find something if you've left a weakness anywhere. So luckily for us, NFT contracts are generally a lot simpler than DeFi contracts. So the audits, if you do get it audited by somebody reputable, then you should be okay. As long as you're not doing something totally wild, you should be okay. What happened with that $32 million, that should have been caught. Absolutely should have been caught in testing and auditing, whatever. So yeah, it's really about that. Well, I'm really glad this came up. Yeah. And we've talked about security on various episodes here, but I think it's been a while since we dove in deep. So I think this is, oh, we get to talk a little bit about horror and also avoiding the horror <laughs> as well. But uh, let's segue here before we wrap up the sort of main interview and go to our quick hitters. What's on your roadmap? Can you share a little bit quickly, Zach, that people might find exciting? Yeah. For us, we look at this kind of season one Genesis token launch as similar to I hail from the theater originally of when you go to a, like a Shakespeare theater, they have a season, right? They have their year essentially of content. Some are various plays, some are various new projects. And so from basically this perspective, like this is season one, right? So we're already telling you what we're doing. 13 projects, all of them are going to get off the ground in various ways with the community. And from there, the sky's the limit. 
Like it's season one for a reason, just like a TV show. You write season one, you kind of know what season two is. Let's make sure we hit it out of the park with season one, put ourselves in position to really then say, hey, community, hey, everybody, what does season two look like? Can we push these boundaries even further? Can we do innovative content in the metaverse with real life crossover and do the next Halloween Horror Nights? Who knows? So the main idea is just to make sure that we're positioning ourselves to really hit it out of the park with this season one so that we're in position to really build into a season two and bring the community into that process. Very cool. And forgive me for just taking the stage for what we're doing really quickly, because it's just such a nice segue. We probably didn't share enough of the behind the scenes behind planning NFTLA. <laughs> I think our fans and the people who attended would have really like flipped their lid if they saw all of the bustle going on behind the scenes. And just to let our listeners know, we just wrapped up a second of like, what are we doing? Like it's full day postmortems. We're planning NFTLA right now. It's 10 months from now, season two, as it were. So we totally get that. And it's such an exciting thing to do. Yeah. It is indeed. And before we head over to Edge Quick Hitters, one last question for you. And that is just where are you guys drawing inspiration from these days? Lots happening in the world of NFT and Web3. What's got you jazzed? Honestly, for me is why I got here last year, which is the use case, right? It's the real opportunity to transform how business functions and how to bring kind of more equitability throughout, let's say, a platform's ecosystem to empower and inspire people that normally would be left footing the bill. And that to me is like a staple of who I am. And so that's why I say like, I'm a Web3 lifer because I'm not going back to Web2. I may utilize Web2. I may have to use it to pay rent. But to me, this has already proven its use for the future of creating a more equitable situation. So to me, it just drives me every day. Like I'm not going anywhere. So let's keep grinding. Right on. Quit. how about you, man? Yeah, that's a tough thing. There's a lot. I mean, I think this is the most exciting space that I've ever seen. It just moves so incredibly quickly and there are so many things to learn. And I think that it's really, we're at the forefront of something enormous. I just want to be a part of it. Right on. I know there's blood in the streets right now. And just a reminder, a public service announcement, if you will, the folks that are thinking about bailing from the space, maybe they're focused more on the investment side of it or whatever, but don't do it. Just don't do it. It's here to stay. Uh, this is the foundation of the entire future and it's happening right now. Don't let a down market or a blip in the market really in the grand scheme of things dissuade you from continuing to grind and build and change the world because that's what's happening now. And I couldn't be more certain of that. It's the future and it's happening. So don't let this stop you. In any case, we got some other stuff to get into, guys. We appreciate all the background on Block of Horror. So cool. So interesting. Everybody go check it out for sure. Hey there, NFT Space Cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com, it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle, to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. 
Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white label marketplace, as well as their highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service soup to nuts and whole enchilada NFT service can help you, yes you Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. We want to get your personal perspective on some questions. It's a section we call Edge Quick Hitters. It's a fun and quick way to get to know you a little bit better. It's 10 set questions. Looking for short, single word or few word responses, but we may dive in a little bit deeper here or there. Are you guys ready to jump in on these bad boys? Let's do it. Okay. Rock and roll. Quit. You good to jump in on these? Sure. All right. Cool, man. Question number one is, what is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? Zach, we'll start with you. I would say it'd have to be candy, I imagine, is the first thing. Do you have a go-to? We got to, of course, ask that. Ooh, these days, anything chocolate, man. I'm a sucker for dark chocolate. Chocolate guy, right on. Quit. How about you, man? Oh, man. It was a magazine. I don't remember what the magazine was, but it had Power Rangers on the cover. <laughs> That's all important. Yeah, yeah right on. <laughs> Very cool. Question number two, Zach, what is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? This probably is going to come full circle, is uh, sports trading cards. There we go. Quit, how about you? Actually, a ticket to a football game is the first thing I remember selling. Nice. Do you remember where you sold it? Uh, StubHub or I think it was actually eBay at the time. I got you. Okay, right on. Question number three, Zach, what is the most recent thing you purchased? Probably an NFT and it's probably Kiwami for anybody that's interested. Cool, cool. Quit, how about you? Maybe an NFT. I'm trying to remember if I've, I've purchased any in the past week or so, but I bought a house about two weeks ago. So it might be that. Nice. That's a solid one. Yeah, dude. Major congrats. Cool. Question number five, Zach, what is your most prized possession? I mean, not to get too personal, but obviously it would have to be my daughter, even though she's not a possession. She's two and a half. So she's the light of our lives, so to speak. But if it was physical, it'd have to be my laptop just because it's where I do everything. Yeah, man. Source of so much goodness. Quit. How about you? Yeah. At the risk of, I don't want to say my daughter also, I could definitely jump on that train, but I'll go with something physical, probably my speaker setup. I'm a big audiophile. So I love listening to music. Sweet. Does that uh, pertain to your car as well? Or is that just up in your house? No, my car has some pretty shitty speakers, actually. Just my house. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. And it looks like I skipped question four, didn't I, guys? I think we got to circle back on that one. And we'll start with Zach on that. And that is, what is the most recent thing you sold? ETH. Okay. Quit. How about you? Yeah, not ETH. I did (laughs) buy some more. No, I I did sell some ApeCoin. Looks like you guys are providing liquidity in the ETH market (laughs) by trading it amongst (laughs) each other. (laughs) We're hedging each other's bets. One of us will make it. (laughs) We did an OTC deal. I grabbed it straight from the There it is. Cool. All right. We'll flip the order here. Quit. Number six, if you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical, service, and experience that's currently for sale, what would it be? What do you got your eye on? Oh, 
honestly, I could use a really good steak right about now. So I would say a meal steak with whiskey. Nice. That's solid. Zach, how about you? Besides a coda, I think <laughs> I would look to buy, I mean, I'd buy a nice house is honest. I real estate. Solid investment. Question number seven, quit. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? Curiosity. Zach, how about you? For better and worse, honesty. All right. Rock and roll. Great answers, guys. Question number eight. If you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be? Quit. You're up. Stubbornness. I'm a very stubborn person and sometimes to my benefit, sometimes not. Mm -hmm. Hear that. Zach, how about you? Honestly, it's partially honesty too. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but just it's sometimes when you prioritize being truthful, you tend to not take into other people's position as honestly from where they're coming from. Not everyone is ready to hear the type of truth that you think you have. And so being able to work on people's level, I've noticed tends to be more beneficial to them and to the conversation than to just announce, this is what the truth is. Like, so. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's something to the, what is it? The kind candor concept that Gary V talks about. What's that book called? It's right over here. 12 and a half. There you go. Yeah. There's something to that. That's pretty cool. Right on. Okay. Question number nine, quit. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? I was working on coding a bot that I toy around with for OpenSea listings, actually. Surprise, surprise. Zach, how about you? I probably was shitposting on Twitter between working on Block of Horror. That's what I was doing. <laughs> right, right on. Last one, question 10, quit. What are you going to do next after the podcast? Probably go spend some time with my daughter. There you go. And Zach, how about you? Yeah, definitely going to go eat yeah, and then get back to it. Get back to the work. Back to the grind. All right, there it is, guys. Hedge Quick Hitters, thanks so much for participating. We do appreciate it word on the street is we've got some hot topics to hit. What do you say, E? Yeah, let's get into those hot topics. Okay. First of all, let's talk a little bit about Strange Loop. This is sponsored hot topic. Founded as an audiovisual collective in LA, our sponsored hot topic partner, Strange Loop Studios, has become one of the leading creative pioneers of the new digital media realm, providing design and content for live events and digital media including producing music videos, short films, and immersive experiences. It has created original content for The Weeknd, Kendrick Lamar, Lil Nas X, Flying Lotus, Micah Nelson, SZA, Lizzo, Pharrell, G-Dragon, Anderson, Pac, Earth Gang, and David Gilmore of Pink Floyd. And whenever I read artists' names, I'm always like, shit, there's going to be one of these that's like super popular. <laughs> I think it's a... It's a and I get to be like a grandpa for the day. All right. Anyways, in 2019, Strange Loop launched Spirit Bomb Records, the world's first virtual artist record label, receiving sizable investment from Warner Music Group, Chinatown Market, which since changed its name to Market, Sony Music Entertainment, Japan, and the Japanese label Avex Entertainment. Spirit Bomb's most prominent product is music, but in creating their own intellectual properties within the virtual reality and extended reality space, it more closely resembles a multimedia film studio of the future. Each of its artists' characters represent multiple pieces of available content across any given medium, music to movies to video games. And since these are Spirit Bomb's own creations, the company controls all aspects of their activities. Furthermore, for live artists who aren't quite sure what to do with a recorded track, 
Spirit Bomb can provide a new creative outlet by developing a character closely aligned with their personality and musical traits. In June 2022, Spirit Bomb will mint 4,444 NFTs of their most popular virtual being, LV4. In order to decentralize LV4 and reward an ever-growing group of contributors, Spirit Bomb is building upon Web3 architecture and tools such as DAOs and smart contracts so that those that hold an LV4 NFT will have a say in the creative direction and stake in the future success of the artists. Very cool stuff. Rock and roll. Yeah, man. Proud to have them on board. Most definitely. Great partners on their side too. Talk about elevating awareness and bringing community together. Uh, From Kendrick Lamar to The Weeknd, Lil Nas X, forget about it. There's millions and millions of people in the mix on that. Very cool. Yeah, impressive. Should we hit the next hot topic? Yeah, let's jump in. Okay, awesome. Global Titans have introduced the first sporting event with NFT-enabled live stream access. New company Global Titans are set to introduce NFT-enabled access to live sports shows. Company will introduce premium boxing and MMA events at locations around the world with the debut event featuring fighters such as Floyd Mayweather and Anderson Silva. What I'm curious about is I'm thinking about the old days when you could like steal cable from your neighbors or you can port in your buddy's Netflix account. And I know quit, you're all about security and things like this. Are NFTs the end of stealing cable and stealing access to stuff like this? I don't know. What do we think? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Always a way around the fence. <laughs> Always a way around it. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Well, ticketing is interesting. I mean, even more broadly than, than the specific use case here, NFT ticketing. We were just talking about a little bit earlier today as it related to NFTLA and some of the ways we integrated that to a small degree this go round. There'll be a much bigger degree next go round. But that is definitely one of those game changers, right? Where there's a really great use case for utilizing NFTs, all the interesting things that come with it. And so, yeah, excited to see so many people getting after it. There is a lot of complexity. Like we were talking a little bit before about like IP complexity and thinking through that. The same is true when you're talking about events and what it means to be like a ticketing company, all the different ins and outs of that, the policies from privacy policy around like users' information to like refund policies. How do you distribute the money? You're selling tickets to an event. You kind of want that money to help fund it, right? But then the ticket issuer has to think about refunds and chargebacks and things like that. There's this whole dynamic there that is super complicated. So as great as a use case as tickets are, there's a level of sophistication to deploy a project like that that is, I think, super duper high. I'm curious to see who ends up being at the top of the heap here. There's not going to be just one winner. There'd be a lot of people doing it. I'm just, yeah, I'm like on the sideline, like watching and I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for what's next here. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly there's a ton of advantages here. Just even in our bit of an experiment we did with Spirit Seed holders, we created the VIP vouchers for NFTLA. What I was fascinated with is there are tons of people trying to trade tickets that they bought on the off market, right? Which is its own thing. We left it up to people, but it's a headache to know whether you can trust the person on the other transaction. It's a whole other thing. If you have an NFT collection where you can kind of verify the contract address and you don't even have to know who sold you that NFT. As long as the person who's hosting the contract, you trust them and you can redeem that NFT ticket, you're set and it's trustless. I love that part of these type of tickets. I don't know if they're going to do that with this streaming access type of thing, but it's pretty awesome. I mean, all these core elements are part of block of horror, right, Zach? I mean, there's a lot of considerations that that cross over here. Yeah. As we get closer down the road of distribution, 
that's definitely something we'll be looking to integrate and build with and, and find partnerships to do so. There's a world where the content you make now, you can give direct peer-to-peer distribution to people in the metaverse, in the community. So you may not have to rely upon getting distribution deals via Netflix or other types of companies that want to take, let's say, a larger percent from the community. There's a world where it all goes to the community. So a lot of advantageous opportunities for the Web3 space. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's yeah, exciting stuff in the world of NFTs, even with all the craziness happening in the market again. There's people out there building, they're chopping wood, they're making it happen and keep on doing it. We need it to get to the next level. So I think that's hot topics. Yeah. But we do have a little shout out we wanted to give, I think, right? To one of our amazing partners and collaborators. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hit it. And I think we could both speak to a little bit of this, Zach and Quit. We love to recognize community members and a lot of these folks who come out of the woodwork. They're people maybe we knew a little bit. And then all of a sudden we're just thick as thieves doing all kinds of cool stuff together. And one of those folks is our great friend, Lawrence Lanoff. He's literally been a man on the scene for almost everything that we're doing, even though he's a powerful creator in his own right, having all of these amazing projects. He's been in the cryptocurrency space since 2011, participated in the guidance and building of various platforms, but he also happens to be an award-winning filmmaker, appropriate for this episode, professional producer and director, as well as a best-selling author. And he's been a huge part of Edge of Family. I'm an advisor, supporter, content creator, producer, so much more. He's going to head out to Davos with us and help record content and make stuff happen there. What an awesome guy. Really happy to give this shout out to Lawrence Lanoff. Yeah, big ups to Lawrence. I love the guy. Love his candor and openness, willingness to always help give a unique perspective on everything we're doing. So big shout out to Lawrence. Much love. Yeah. And I have to say something on this just because I think it's his email address or one of his email addresses. It's like energy master. And like that dude is just like, he's got that energy, man. I think he's done some deep studies of yogic traditions and things like that, but he permeates a really awesome energy. I love that. He does. He does. Yeah. Yeah, More, more to come from Lawrence here in the near future. Yep. Totally. So guys, we're nearing the end here of the episode and we want to make sure that all of our listeners know where to go to follow this rocket ship that is block of horror guys. So where should they go? Where should they follow you? Basically, blockofhorror.com or our Twitter, Block of Horror, is a great place to start. You can link into our Discord from there. We have a new website that we'll be launching here in the next week or two. And then once the voting portal's live, the Mint's live, there'll be more information and ways to engage there as well. And we hold uh, kind of some powwows in our VR chat metaverse theater for now until we have a chance to build some more experience-based opportunities in some of the other metaverses. So feel free to get involved. Hit us up. If you have any questions, you can hit me up on Twitter. I'm always happy to engage with people, even candidly. Right on. Very cool. Yeah, appreciate it. And word on the street is we also got a little giveaway we want to talk about. Zach, you want to share a little bit about what we're going to do here? Yeah. As we gear up for our Mint, we want to give away, offer up some uh, allow list spots, which we call our blood list. So if you want guaranteed access to Mint, one of these tokens, one of these movie posters, you can basically follow us, share this podcast, and we'll enter you into getting one of these uh, allow list spots. And hey, if you're really an avid fan, keep at us. I'm sure there'll be a place for you at the table. Lots of goodness there. So keep an eye on our socials. We'll give you all the details on how to enter and participate. Very much appreciated. The generosity goes a long way, man. So folks, I think we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this Starship. So invite your friends 
and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us, say something awesome, and then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. We understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.